Welcome to another episode of It's Not About You with Jamal, Marianne, and Cousin Todd. What's up, uh, fans of our podcast? It's uh, welcome to It's Not About You with Jamal, Cousin Todd, and finally, <laughs> finally, <laughs> finally, okay, she, I deserve that. Finally, I she's back, that. ladies. Oh, you can stop <laughs> sending us messages. You can stop fasting. <laughs> she's back. Mm-hmm. She looks great. She's, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to hear two guys talking about nerd shit anymore. We got Marianne to keep. You can come to my Marianne podcast is... for that. Yeah, right. Marianne's here for a female perspective on all the shit we talk about. Because okay, because, to be fair, because though, for three weeks, for three weeks, that's what we've been missing. Yeah. To be fair, we did kind of have Marianne with us in spirit. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, my God. That's so amazing, guys. Uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I do have to, you know, thank you guys for holding it down and keeping things together. It has been the most brutal, brutal couple of weeks, three weeks. Um, if, for those who don't know, I've been remodeling my house and I had to move. So I moved into what we 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 refer to lovingly as the hotel because it makes it sound a lot better than the fucking ghetto roach infested it's not roach infested it's ant infested duplex ghetto ass apartment that we share a a yard with the neighbors god i hope they can't hear me we share a a yard with the neighbors that literally spends off and they have this big ass pit bull this unneutered male that um Okay, the first night here, he came in as we were moving in. He came to help, greet us and then pissed all over my floor. Um, and oh, so, yeah, yeah, it's been, and, and it's kind of a little bit nerve wracking. Like, he'll follow you to the door as he's barking as you come in, and you're like, oh, he's friendly. And I'm like, yeah, that breaks friendly until they're not. So, we are a breakdown <laughs> of how my, my week is is that I get up in the morning, I head over from the ghetto hotel to my house that I, my beautiful, amazing home. And uh, we do work around there. They go to our day jobs. Then I come back because Romeo works 10 hours. He works Monday through Thursday, 10 hours. I come back to my house, do more work. Typically it's loading up the trailer. Like the contractors don't have any garbage cans. So we're loading up our trailer full of all the garbage that they did from the night before things that's gotten remodeled. We're like doors and all the, like the garage doors. When we took apart all the garage door, the panels and had to put them in there. We load everything up at night and then we go over the next morning and take it to the, do a dump run in the morning, then go to our day jobs. So get home typically about 11 o'clock at night, be in bed by midnight and I'm up the next morning at six to start all over again. It has been wow. a very brutal. And, and then last Friday to top everything off, I got into a car accident in my new car. Um, oh man! I've decided that I cannot drive red Kia Fortes anymore. Um, I are you getting and, yourself and the, a truck? <laughs> All right. I I need something. Actually, my rental vehicle right now. I told them I was very thrilled about it because it's fat guy friendly, so Romeo could drive it. Um, it's a <laughs> it's a Chrysler Pacifica. 
Oh, I was gonna guess suburban. It's 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 a minivan, but it's the same kind of minivan that we had when we were in Vegas. That when oh, okay. you know he took a turn, he was coming off the uh, off ramp off the highway at eighty miles an hour, and we almost flipped it. But <laughs> he's he's oh, very fluid in driving them now. But um, yeah, so it has been. It's yeah, it's been brutal. It's been challenging. Um, I I got my second COVID shot last weekend. We got last week, mm-hmm. so that kind of fucked with me for a few days too. Which, so which one, which, yeah. which which vaccine did you get? Moderna. Moderna. Oh, oh, the murdering one. Yeah. yeah. Now the that's murdering not the murdering one. one. That, you know, that's not the the next, how, how did you feel the next day after taking the final dose of the vaccine? You know, oh, I have dude. to tell you, it's it's crazy. I slept all day. No, <laughs> I was jacked up from when they gave me the shot um, on Friday night, okay. Saturday, Sunday, and I'd already taken Monday off. I felt freaking great. Monday, I started like my stomach. I was like, I I feel very weird. I feel very odd here. I don't know what the hell's going on. Mm. I don't feel. I, I just feel off. And then the next day I was like, you know what? I got what jumped up to go to work and I was like, or not. No, I think no, I'm not going to. I'm gonna stay here in bed and lay here in bed all day long and watch TV. And that's literally what I do. You can get caught so, up on your shows. <laughs> my my last shot when I was taking it, I asked the nurse, hey, I felt like shit the first time I took the shot. And I'm about to get on a plane tomorrow to go to Charlotte. What are the odds that I'll feel the same way I felt? Oh, she was like, oh, there's a 10% chance you'll feel sick again. I went home afterwards and had this massive headache and I was in the middle of packing and I took a nap and didn't wake up till like the next morning and I felt like shit. And I went on the plane just, I've never went on a plane feeling as miserable as I felt. But luckily it's like a 90 minute flight. So I was like, okay, maybe once I land, I'll feel a little bit better. And I felt sick all the way up to the show. Wow. So I was like- How was the show? Oh, That's great. a real question. How was the show? Oh, the oh, show was great. That's what, yeah, that's it was great. Matters. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, actually, Tuesday, last uh, Tuesday, I did have to get up and, and get a shower because I did uh, Nate Jackson's room. So yeah. I did, I, for the first time, I was able to go check out Nate Jackson, um, the super funny Nate Jackson Comedy Club. And- beautiful club it's very nice and it oh, was yeah? very it was yeah it was very beautiful um nate was actually there and so um he had just flown in from la that morning so and he does he's got a new bit that he talks about casino dealers and romeo romeo because romeo doesn't get off work till eight the show started at eight well it was late because you know it is it's it's an open mic it started probably about eight nineteen, and romeo literally called me tried to find the club just after I got off stage, but he came and, and he was able to watch and and Nate does this new bit about casino dealers and about he doesn't when he goes to play the casino he doesn't like black dealers because he's like you know he plays black right <laughs> <laughs> and like the black card like bro hit me up you know here's yeah. uh, like, come on. Come and on. so we're just together right, <laughs> you know, right? exactly like, you're supposed to do me good card and yeah, right? i'm dying laughing and romeo and i are dying laughing i should I, I did tell nate after he got off stage you know that we why we found it so funny we were laughing so hard i said because romeo is a card dealer well he's a floor right now but he was a card dealer and i'm and i i should have told him i'm like look 
I, when I was able to have Romeo deal for me, I used to, I would be like, babe, deal to me like you love me. Yeah, and he goes, right. I did. I screwed you. I screwed you twice. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's actually a good premise, though. I like, that's a good, that's a good premise. I could, like, the ideas are rolling in my head as it is. I'm like, oh, I could already tell what, because Nate's pretty funny. Nate's funny, man. Yeah, no. he was really, no, it, was, so, it was cool because he wasn't like doing really comedy. He kind of, he was talking a little bit about, so when you do Nate's room, you get six minutes instead of the five minutes. And he goes, and I'm not saying okay. that I give everybody six minutes because the other club gives five minutes because I'm not that petty. Yeah. Goes, but I am that petty. <laughs> and so he goes, it's because, you know, the guests, you know, when you are able to do um, little showcases, other places, you're only, they give you six minutes. And he goes, I don't want comics to get up there and only be prepared for five minutes and then have a minute that they're struggling with. He goes, but I am that petty. So, I mean, and, and that's where we were laughing and, and we're like, you know, I appreciate that. I mean, but it, it was, it was kind of, it was very cool to see the lineup because all the comics that were on that lineup are comics that were experienced that have been doing this for some time. So um, it wasn't like struggling through, but you could tell, you could tell that it's been a while since some, some comics have been on stage. You can tell that they are trying to get their legs back under them. And um, the, I guess the next night they were doing a, um, a contest of funniest, MFR in, in yeah I saw that press. on I saw that on Facebook like there's a like a it almost looks like it's like an open mic competition but it's not because I looked at the names that were on there and some of those guys are guys that are seasoned comedians so but yeah right uh, right and that's there's I guess there's a few new comics on there but there's also um very seasoned professional comics on there too so and it's a good chance but the one thing that I really like about Nate's um, open mic is like he said, that was one of the things he was able to address the comedy side. He goes, I pick people to do showcases on my weekend shows from my open mic. Yeah. Which I absolutely love that about him, um, about that club, because this is something I've been saying for a while. Seattle, Tacoma needs a, a, a comedy club for the Tacoma comics. Exactly. And I, I, I make no bones about the Tacoma Comedy Club is not, is not for the comics. It is not a comedy club that supports the Tacoma comics. Okay. Um, and and, and I'll, I'll say that and I can tell you why, all my premises and everything. But Tacoma needs a club that supports its comics. And you can't just say, well, fuck you, I have a mic, I have an open mic and you can come perform for me because I have a state. No, 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 no. That's not supporting. That is not supporting your talent. If you want to support your talent, you call that talent. You sit there and you you nurture and and help massage that talent to get their rough edges off. And you yeah, show them how to. The part of the reason you do that, part of the reason how you do that, part of how you do that, exactly, is part of how you do that <laughs> is by letting them work on their material, showing them how to strengthen and letting them come into a professional show on the weekends and sit in the very back and not charge them to come in, right? When you've got your comics that are coming in and supporting your club and bringing people in during the week on an open mic to bring in, that's bringing revenue to your club, 
you should be giving back to these comics that these these six months, 12 months, two year comics that are they're not quite ready to get on stage yet for any kind of paid performance, but they are ready to do a host set. They are ready to do a guest set. They are ready to, and how do you get them ready there? They're ready to be able to, to take it to that next level. But how you get them there is by having them watch professional shows and see how seasoned professionals perform. Yeah. And you know, they're not going to get that at a bar doing you know, other, you know, like the these shows that you're around the sound. Doing, doing the jokes for the same five comedians you see every week at the uh, local open mic. You know, right. it's, it, it is, it's, it's funny that you bring that up because me and Jonas Barnes, we, we talk about things like this. Um, we, I mean, because you're not wrong about what you're saying as far as nurturing, comedy clubs nurturing their acts. I find that's a lot of comedy, uh, some comedy clubs, um, what they, I mean, first of all, the owner is not there most of the time. So, or the right. manager is not there most of the time. So they're not really no. paying attention on what's going on. Um, secondly, I've been to a lot of the open mics around, even in New York, and it, it really bugs me what I've been like, you could go. And I've been saying that I've been preaching this a lot. One thing that I give the Seattle scene and any scene that somewhat like Seattle is you could go to the Comedy Underground. You could go to Laughs Comedy Club. You could go to even Tacoma Comedy Club on their open mic nights. They have an audience. People show right. up. I've been to a handful of open mics in New York uh, at comedy clubs that are open and there is zero audience members. Wow. It's all comics. And on top of that, you're asking a comedian whose dream is to become a stand-up comic to pay $5 for five minutes just to get on the stage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. exactly. Wow. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that. And I'm like, hmm. And so I, 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 I get a lot of push. People give me pushback like, oh, a lot of comics, co comedy clubs across the nation does this. And my response is, you've never performed outside of New York, and you've probably never been on a tour. For you to say something like that only tells me that tells me that this is all you know. And I, and and that's why I bring up Seattle. That's why I bring up Portland, Oregon. That's why I bring up Olympia when they were having open mics. I'm like, yeah. and, and but not all. I mean, oh yeah, well, no, no. Pay to play rooms. If you're a new comic listening to this podcast, I implore you. The only reason why bullshit shows like this keeps happening is because. These venues and these comedians that are that think they're producers are taking advantage of you. Okay, yeah. yep. you yep. should not. You should not pay to follow your dream. You should not no. pay to play. And if and, no. and and on top of that, mind you, we are barely coming out of a pandemic. Who the fuck do you think you are that you could charge people? Right. That's unemployed, mind you. Most of these comics don't have day jobs. Right. You know, to, to, to spend, what, $40 a week to do an open mic, to follow their, to put money in your pocket. And I will say this, I have never, whether it's a show, whether it's an open mic, charged comedians to, no. My, my thing is this. 
I would much rather have young comics who want to be comics who are serious about being stand-up comedians to come to my show to help build their act, to help to help uh, nurture them, to, for them to know, hey, I, you know, I got some new jokes that I'm going to try. Can I do five minutes on your show or a couple of minutes on your show? I, that's more important than taking another comic's money, especially a comic who hasn't done it for a year even. Who Again, the balls that a lot of these people have that they feel that they could actually pull that. And I will say this right now, I will never book anybody that does that shit. It makes no sense to me. Right, and right. that's not a way, I don't want to make money that way. I, I don't. I, I've, I've been doing this for 10 years. If Dave Chappelle or Bill Burr walks into your open mic and asks to do minutes, you're not going to ask him for $5 for five minutes. You're going to be like, hey, you're going to bump every comic after him. <laughs> you're going to bump every right. comic for him to do as much time as you want and take that picture so you could say, oh, Bill Burr was at my show. That's it. You know what I'm saying? That's, that is your claim right. to fame with your open mic. Bill Burr came to my show and, um, and, and did 45 minutes, mind you, bumping 15 other comedians. <laughs> so I don't know. You know right. The thing is, though, is just that with, with them doing that in New York, you know it's a matter of time before it makes its way to this coast. And people are going to say, well, oh, you want to do time of my mic well um that's gonna be five dollars for five minutes and i'm like i would like kiss my what lick my taint bitch because i'm not gonna pay it but there's going to be people who will and that's just it though it's just that there's nothing that you are gaining from that what and what's their their thought process well um i'm going to go ahead and i'm going to charge you five dollars well because that's how much it's for paying for my time to be here and my equipment okay that's what the fucking bar is for. That's where the venue is. They need to pay for that. Because if somebody's going to make money, the venue should be paying you because you're bringing business to them. You are bringing people right. into that venue that would not be there otherwise. And, and but you know, and I get though, like with comics, com a lot of comics, like you said, Jamal, they don't have jobs. They're broke ass. So they're not fucking buying anything at that venue. And, and by the way, Nate Jackson, I'm so sorry. I didn't buy anything when I was at the show. I was expecting when my my you know future hubby showed up that we were going to order something, and he wasn't you know, and that's all that was. So I will. My, th my 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 thing is for next this time. though. My thing is this though. It, say what you will about the Pacific Northwest. Um, they there are people again. I've I have yet to go to an open mic at a legitimate comedy club, and there was no audience members. And the audience members that are there, they do pay for drinks. There's no two drink minimum right. at any of these comedy clubs. Um, because here's the thing, when you, I mean, and now New York's two drink minimum, well, I should say East Coast two drink minimum, I kind of understand. But when you go to these other venues, like you're not, they know that there's not a two drink minimum, but they order drinks anyway. There's never been a time right. that I've been at the comedy underground where, you know, People don't have beer sitting in front of them enjoying an, the, an open mic. You know what I'm saying? Knowing, mind you, that it's a bunch of amateur comics uh, mixed in with a lot of professional comics. But you know what, though? I look at the audience members and how they respond to a comic who's been doing it for five months. You know, they don't, you know, they're still having fun. They're still paying for food, drinks, and comics. Right. We drink. We drink. <laughs> we drink our asses oh, off. Oh, yeah. We drink. I will, yep. 
I, I will go to an open mic and pay for, you know, three beers or whatever. Like I'm, and it's not because, oh, I'm supporting the comedy club. I mean, yes, I am, but it's just like, if it's my home club, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that, you know, we, right. we keep it, we keep it going. You know what I'm saying? Because if a, if a comedy club is going to support me, then I'm going to support it back. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of where I stand. I don't, I don't so, want to see comedy clubs closing because they're not getting uh, the support that they should get. But at the same time, even here, there's some places where they're like, oh, just buy a drink just to support the comedy club. I'm behind that. But don't charge right. it. Don't charge comedians. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, was, I wasn't sure if that's the same thing as like having uh, people, you have to bring like people into the show in order for you to get so time. That's, that called the, that's called a bringer show. And that's just as shitty as well. And I'll tell you why. So I was, I was telling this, I met this younger comic who's been doing it for two weeks, uh, no, two months, um, last week. Um, very new, I mean, very new. But yeah, you can tell friendly. that, you can tell that, I mean, he had some pretty good jokes and he had, he had like the stage presence where it was like, he was very confident with his jokes. And, you know, I pulled him aside and we were talking, but I told him to, I'll, you know, cause he was asking me for advice. And I was like, well, avoid bringer shows, like just avoid them. Here's my thing about bringer shows. Um, number one, let's say Todd, you're a new comic. I'm a comedy club uh, owner. You're looking, to, you're looking for a new home and you want to perform at my awesome stand-up comedy club that, that Jerry Seinfeld has performed at, that all these famous celebrities have performed at, but you want to perform on my show. Okay, so here's what I would do. Um, in order for you to perform at my comedy club, I need you to bring 10 people on a Wednesday or Tuesday night, or maybe even a Thursday. At midnight. 10, 10, no, no, actually, it's, it's, it's going to be at 8 o'clock. Let's just, and I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. So I need you to bring me 10 people at eight o'clock because it's our only show that night. Oh, and we're going to have a celebrity stand-up comic show up at the end, but I can't tell you, but you know, we're going to have a, so I need you to bring me 10 people. What's the ticket price? It's going to be $20 or in some cases, 15, let's just say 15. Now there's a two drink minimum. Wow. Each of those guests has to buy two drinks and let's say the average or two items, two items or two. Okay. Two items. Uh, a two-item two minimum. So let's say the average price for two items is like, let's say, let's say fourteen bucks for two for two items. So that's already off the bat, you know, for 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 ten for ten people, that's one hundred and forty dollars on drinks alone. <coughs> on top of that, we're asking you to bring ten people at fifteen dollars. That's a hundred and fifty dollars right there. So this is all this money, mind you. Some, they might buy more than two drinks. They might buy a you know food or whatever. But on top of that, all this money that you and maybe seven other comedians are doing, you know, because you guys are trying, you got to do the same thing. So seven comedians, 10 people, that's 70 people in the show on top of the, all this money that they're getting on a Wednesday night. That's kind of not bad. But in return, what you get is a DVD copy of your set. Mind you, you've been doing this for like six months. You're not even that good. Sorry, you're not. Okay, you're not that good. You're not as polished. I'm giving you a DVD that you could send to comedy festivals that are going to just shut you down. They're, they're going to be like, wow, this guy, the, yeah. the balls on this guy six months in to send us this. And, and at the same time, 
you got to, and in order for it, you got to do that again before you even get, it's fucked up. You know, so I'm, wait, I, you're I, saying that there are bringer shows that they give you a DVD at the end. I did one bringer show when I first started, I brought 15 people. And of course it was the, I, I don't, I think the cover was five bucks, but there was a two item minimum. Okay. For each person. Was that a lab? I didn't get any, no, this was at the at the Seattle Comedy Underground. Uh, you know, oh, that yeah. was also what? Yeah. 2013, 2012. Okay. At the time. So I don't know if they if they did that there or not, but I never got anything like that. Yeah, Just they don't, they didn't never do the DVD. And 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 the fucked up thing about it is you don't get a dime from all that work that you put in. Mind you, pretend forget the fact that you're a comic out of New York. What if you come out of like Wisconsin or something where you're like one of the funniest person in Madison, Wisconsin? You move to New York, you don't know Dick, you don't know anybody, dude. And and that's what they want you to do. So it's like, you know, it's kind of fucked up. So these, never gate- yeah. So these gatekeepers are truly gatekeepers up here, dude. You know what I'm sucks. saying, I there there was a show on I think HBO called uh, Crashing. It was a Pete Holmes show. It was essentially kind of like his story or how he became a comedian and and how wow. he got started and whatnot. It's actually a funny show. I didn't initially like him as a comedian before that, but I watched the show and it was really good. There was an episode where he was going to um, a club in New York. I think it was something called Chicago, something or other. Either way, he was having to like hand out flyers. He, he had to have 100 people show up at this club in New York oh, shit. with a flyer. Hundred people, one hundred. Is that is that a thing? Is a hundred that, people? That's a lot extreme? of people. That's extreme. That's a shit ton of people. That is a lot of people, man. Like, I yeah. mean, which means you've got to you've got to hand out almost. I would say you would have to hand out at least at least five thousand flyers to have. Yeah, right. Oh yeah. I'll be, yeah. Does that sound it, does that sound fair, Jimmo? That that sounds right. Just five thousand flyers. Five thousand flyers just to have 100 people show up and the thing is is like <laughs> in that in that scene of the show it was basically he was hey there's a free there's a, a comedy show down at, down at blah 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 hey come down to the show and people were like taking the flyer and like, immediately tossing it in the trash like yep. two feet away from where he was standing yeah oh yeah i used to do that actually i used to sell tickets um on uh, in the streets of times square sell comedy club tickets to have people you know, go down to Lower Manhattan from Times Square to catch a one of the three shows that were going on, or even it's, by Hell's Kitchen. It's it's a thing that it still it still goes on. I've been doing it for I did it for six years before I became a producer, and that's how I became a producer because I would go to these shows, I would meet the comics, and never ever have I ever wanted to be a comedian because you know it's one of those things that if you bomb, that's a long train ride home. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you know, <laughs> I'm. I, and I'm sensitive, <laughs> so I don't think, so, um, but one thing about it is like with stand-up comedy, now I could bomb and then it's a long drive home. Like, I'm just like, well, I, I've learned how to handle bombing now. Like, okay, yeah. I bombed, Yeah. you know, move on. You know, we, we, we just gotta- Grow from it and move on. Yeah, learn from it. It's, it's not a loss, it's just a learning experience. So, um, yep. whatever, yep, so, that's, so I, that's one thing I've learned about, you know, stand-up comedy is just, learning how to deal with the bombing. And I've bombed yeah. more times than I would love to count. You know, and, and the thing is, though, is, is with bombing, you have to be able to embrace it. Because if you 
when you bomb and, and you go, okay, and you step back and you're brutally honest with yourself and you go, okay, here's what didn't work and here's why it didn't work. It's, you know, and, and never, rarely ever, ever, ever will you walk away and go, it truly was the audience. It's usually, it's something, how did I, how could I have done better? How could I have gotten them? What should, yeah. you, you get, what you get should I, like, what should I have said or what shouldn't I have said? You got a room full of cynical comedians have already heard your jokes three times over in the last couple of weeks. Well, and, yeah, and that's no, just it, though. There's that. There, that. That's why you need an audience who's never seen you before. But but the thing is, though, Todd, is, is that even if it's the same audience and you're telling the same jokes over and over again and they're not laughing, find new ways to add little taglines to it. That's, that's your challenge is finding oh. a, a new tagline to add, how to tighten it up, how to... And then free flow, getting up on stage and just like fucking with the audience or talking to the audience or having just that, that's where you take that time because they're the comics and yeah. what is, what's going to happen? They're not going to laugh. They're already not laughing. Fuck it. That's, Have that's fun with it. Because like if, talking to the audience, I've never done that. It's probably you're not do. having fun, but, but you have to be comfortable. You have to get to a point where you're comfortable on stage and you're comfortable just standing there and in silence. Right. Like if you really want to do something, really challenge yourself to something very, very, very difficult, get on stage and don't say anything for like 15 seconds. And, and the funny just, thing is, I love it. I love it when comics in the moment that they're bombing, know that they're bombing and they just acknowledge it. They're like, wow, this wood bombing must be a lot. Right. And, and, and the audience know, just, knows just acknowledge, acknowledge it. it. They know you yeah, know. Yeah, just acknowledge I, it. I you think know, that's even I think that's why Larry the Cable Guy used to say, I don't care who you are, that right there is funny. Because people probably weren't laughing at the joke he just told. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't I, start I mean, that. Sorry, it's only one o'clock, Marianne. Oh, I'm I'm still Yeah, but I've been up for a long time and I'm uh, like I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I'm definitely this last car accident. First time I was the first brand new car I've ever owned in my life was 2015 Kia Forte. I bought it off the lot, brand new, it had 24 miles on it. I was pissed because it had 24 instead of the 12 miles of the car that I, I test drove before it. I had it for seven months, and I was driving in Federal Way, and on a side street. It was at night. I was going to improv practice actually, and some. I was waiting for the car in front of me to take a left turn, and some girl coming down a hill texting and driving Ugh, totally did not even see me she did not slow down and she slammed into me the only thing that saved me was the car in front of me turned just before i got hit because she hit me if otherwise i would have been set i would have been sardine canned in between okay fast forward and and that i i had a lot of anxiety i was very terrified about driving after that so then fast forward to about six months later i finally had, had gotten myself convinced not to be terrified of driving again and this woman sideswiped me i was on 167 and she in the morning morning commute nightmare commute she turned into my lane so this one this one actually was kind of a little bit i was i was heading to five to go play bingo with romeo we're yes yes we are old we were gonna go gamble, we'll go play some bingo. Just we hadn't been able to take a break in freaking forever, and I just wanted to sit and play some fucking bingo. 
We had to go show the role of your grandma by playing bingo. I know, I know. I'm in. I'm in a left you get turn your, lane. Your daubers out, and you had them all set I, no, up. No, and... nowadays it's all electronic. You don't do shit. You sit there bullshit through them, and you play on your phone. It's electronic, and it wow. does it all okay. for you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting there in a left turn, and I, and I. But let me describe. There's a little. I don't want to call it a strip mall. There's a. It's a little corner section with some different stores, some different businesses. They had like it looked like um, a little bar key uh, taqueria or whatever it had a psychic store and right next to it was a massage parlor and i realized okay so we'll come back to the massage parlor in a second Mm -hmm. i'm sitting there and i looked over just as this truck this toyota tacoma was coming out of the parking lot and took an illegal left turn and it was just about to hit me right in the face because i'm low and he it was jacked up four by four I was able to scoot forward it a little and pull off to the side. So he only hit rear panel, like right at my gas tank to the point where I took, you know, the gas cover, you, you pop it open when you hit the little button and it pops open. Yeah. Half of that was, I carried half of that away with me because he smashed it so bad. So oh, wow. then, I, yeah. So I got, I was able to get out, take pictures. I, I panicked, but I've done this before because I'm now I'm a professional. This is the third time. So I made sure to take pictures right then and there. And I go back in and, and he drives circles around the block and comes back in and um, we exchange information. Luckily, he's an older guy that has good information, uh, good insurance, all this stuff. And he's, he's oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, it's all my fault. And he showed me pictures of his truck when somebody hit, took out his front bumper before he removed that bumper. So now he's got this heavy duty wrought iron grill bumper. And I'm like, it worked great. It killed my Kia. I mean, it's a Kia killer for sure. I mean, it, it totally took me out. And But when they hit me, I felt, all, like uh, my other accidents, I didn't feel the pain. This one I felt because he jarred me so hard to the right. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be some months in, in chiropractor. I'm going to be at my chiropractor for several months to get heal up over this one. And I was already beat up already. So this just really sealed right. me in. So yeah. I'm waiting. I call Romeo and he's freaked out. He's totally freaked out, of course. He can we're gonna go play bingo. He's sitting there playing some slots and he's freaking out trying to find me. He circled the block. It took him forever to find me. But while I'm sitting there, while I'm sitting there in my car, I'm looking at the massage parlor. It's got a um on the glass door, it has a covering over it, and there's people peeking out looking around the cover. And I keep seeing people peeking around the cover. <laughs> and then I see these older white men balding fat dudes walking in there to get massages and i'm like oh my god this is one of those happy ending happy ending massage parlors happy ending happy ending <laughs> i just i just wanted i wanted to acknowledge we just got a new follower uh, uh kevin escobar yeah that's my boy that's my boy hi kevin he's gonna Welcome be host- to the show he's gonna be hosting uh my uh my Jamco show at the Broadway Comedy Club this uh, this coming uh, Wednesday. He's a really funny dude. He's a really good dude. And um, yeah, nice. I, li- I like him a lot. Um, he's a good guy. He's one of the good guys. Good. So good. Let's, 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 let's talk about uh, the passing of Paul Mooney. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Mm. <clears throat> I, I, I'm one of those okay. people that I know who he is. I have seen some of his stand-up. 
I can't say that I'm impressed by him. I knowing that he's he wrote for people that I do like though. Prior makes me wonder, makes me wonder if like he gave all of his good stuff to them. <laughs> so, well, so, he also he also did. Okay, go ahead, Jamal. So y'all already know how I feel about him, and that's why yeah, I he talked about this line. last week. I've, I've talked about Paul Mooney and the first time I've met him, like numerous times, and I see all the stuff that people are posting up on Facebook, which is great. I figured I would take the high road because you know, like our parents says, if you have nothing nice to say about somebody. Don't say anything at all. I, I was not going to go on Facebook and be like, yo, um, death couldn't have happened to a better guy. Like I, I should not, you know, like I didn't want to, I didn't want to be that guy. You know what I'm saying? So right. I, I, I kept, I, I stayed out of it and I read everybody's, you know, stories about Paul Mooney or whatever. And I didn't, I felt like, you know what? I don't need, people already know how I feel about him. I felt like I shouldn't have to share the, 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 the you know, because again, the man died. A lot of people liked him. And I didn't want to throw like a monkey wrench and be like, well, you guys like them so much. Here's the issue that I have with them. And then come up with the list. I'm like, let sleeping dogs lie. And I just basically stayed out of it. Last week, we talked about Paul Mooney. And the funny thing is we had a listener. One of my coworkers was like, oh, yeah, um, I heard your thoughts about Paul Mooney. Maybe if you hadn't said anything, he would have lived. And I was like, (laughs) 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 I'm like, that's not how it works. Did you talk about Paul Mooney before he died? I've talked before about him many times before die. he died. I talked about him many times before he died. But now I'm just like, oh shit, he's dead. Um, you know, karma, I'm probably next. Go speak um, ill of the dead. Uh yeah, but, yeah, I don't I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but um, so I just figured let me let me step I said all that I had to say. All I'm gonna say is anything that I say past that is just me repeating myself. But you know, um you know some pe- you do have to like the talent, though, if he was writing for Pryor and Dave Chappelle show, there's some talent there. And that, that you have to be, that part, like, maybe, like what you said, maybe he saved all the good stuff for the shows. Because maybe he wasn't being paid to be funny right then, when yeah. you guys well, saw him on other things. Here's the thing. I take nothing away from Paul Mooney. He was, he, we, he was, he is funny. The stuff that he did on the Chappelle show was classic shit. And the stuff yeah. that he wrote for Pryor, Pryor is my favorite, my number one all-time favorite comedian. Mm-hmm. So I don't take that away from him. It's our inner, my thing is this. Like, I, I told you about the comic that I met last week, the, the young comic. If a comic is asking you for advice or is asking you for, you know, whatever, I think as people who have been in it for a very long time, we should be able to give advice, good advice to younger comedians so they don't so so they don't stumble or you know while they're trying to make their way. Um, I would never turn my back on a young comedian asking me for advice or any comic asking for advice because right. we're all in this together, even though we have different goals and values. As a community, we should look out for each other. But I kind of felt that in Paul Mooney's case, it was almost like, hey, go fuck yourself. And again, it's one of those never, never meet your hero moment. And he was right. one of my heroes. And I was, and I felt, oh my God, this guy really is. And I, and I never expected that from him. So for him to do that to, to me, I was like, okay, I, I fine, whatever. Wait, okay, okay, you're gonna have to recap. What did he do to you? Well, I asked, I, it Tell was- Tell me where he touched you. It was, <laughs> show, you on, <laughs> show you on this doll where he hurt me. 
Um, I, I met Paul Mooney, and um, you're in a safe space. You know, I, I was a very quick, young. Before you, hold on, before you just, I do want to say hi to Kevin. He's actually here with us. Hi, Kevin. I'm sure you've probably heard uh, Jamal's Paul Mooney story, but bear yeah. with us. We're gonna we have to recap this anyway. So, well, actually, this while, is while this is. In, some ways therapy for us because we're able to talk about these things that are bothering us and we're able to get them out we felt better afterwards we feel a little bit more healed afterwards so jamal go ahead and tell us you know what i have a feeling that after i tell the story a bill is going to be sent to my house like, <laughs> like, <laughs> <a bill. laughs> like you, you owe us you owe us 500 dollars for you complaining like a little bitch about Paul. <laughs> you can um, venmo me later all right. Um, <laughs> um, yes, I, 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 I too want to also acknowledge um, Kevin Armando Escobar for being here on the show. Um, Kevin, thank you for being here. Um, Kevin is going to be hosting my show on Broadway Comedy Club this Wednesday. Um, I kind of felt like I made the right decision, so do me proud. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't fuck it up. So much pressure now. Oh, my God. I was going to go have fun, but now all this pressure. Oh, uh, I met I met Paul Mooney. Basically, just long story short, I met Paul Mooney, and um, I was a young producer. Honestly, it was my, the very first show that I was producing, um, and I was talking with him, and I was asking him for advice, and I, you know, kind of asked him if uh, if he would like to headline my show, and he was the most nastiest comic that I've ever approached. He was like, "Oh, this comedy club cannot afford me." The comedy. He was talking very bad about the comedy club owner, who was actually a nice guy, and. Um, he was just shitting on me and I was like, okay, sorry to bother you. And I walked away. But but mind you, there are some comics who may look unapproachable, like the late Mike Destefano, who I've approached before, and he's like, he looks like a mafioso guy. But whenever he warms up to you, super nice guy. Like he's such a nice guy. So it was just, it was kind of like the complete opposite of that. Like he was like, oh, I could go to Caroline's and make X amount of money and this, that, whatever. And I'm just like, okay, dude, all you have to do is say no. I could accept the no, but he was right. dis he was very disparaging towards me, uh, very disparaging towards a comedy club that I was yeah. uh, representing. And I was like, my, my thing was, if you would have just said no, I would have, I'm, I'm fine with no. I don't need to know a reason. I don't need to know, and no, okay, fine. Whatever issue you have, with the comedy club has nothing to do with me. We just fucking met and you're my hero. One of my heroes. And was, yeah, was my hero. And I, and I, and the funny thing is my friends, they're like, Hey, that's Paul Mooney. You should go over there and ask him to see if he could headline your very first show that you're about to produce. And I'm like, that's a good idea. And then I walked back having this, like, you guys gave me bad advice feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Like I hate you, guys. They're like, they're like he hey, was mean to, to, to me. That, that's that's exactly how I felt. Okay, and and then I go back. They're like, so how did it go? I was like, you guys are like the worst. Like he, like, <laughs> like he's terrible. He's a terrible dude. They, they were, were like, the worst. Oh. He was. They didn't know he was gonna be a total d bag. Oh God, like, yeah. but they're like, okay, note to self. Keep in mind, yeah. my my opinion of the guy was based on just hearing him in an interview and just being a complete dickwad to the person he was, who was interviewing him. I'm like, okay, yeah, this guy's not a nice person. He can write some funny stuff though, but that doesn't make him that doesn't make him a good person. 
Well, and I think at, at what point, this is you know, true where you see people's egos get the better of them, right? And they think that they're, that, you know, that they, they think they're, they're more than other people that, you know, but let me tell you something, I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't care if you're the most famous fucking person on the face of the planet. You can't have an interview without somebody interviewing you, right? So that person who's interviewing you is just as important as you are, you dickhead. And that's where a lot of right. people go wrong is, is that they get so full of themselves. They're so you know pompous that they come across as like absolute assholes. And because they feel like they're better than the person running. Yeah. And that's they're one of the entitled. things that really, you know, yeah, that it's sense of entitlement that they think that they're better. I mean, come on now, middle-aged yeah. white man, fuck off. That's let me, typically let me, where I get it. Let me, let me impose a question to, to you, Kevin. What was the best moment you've ever had with a comic that you met that was your hero and the worst moment you've had that a comic that you met that was your hero? Um, it's funny you bring that up because uh, the first the first time I did Broadway Comedy Club a few years ago, uh, I think uh, TJ Miller was there. Um, oh, okay. And yeah, I was opening the show for... I was I was super nervous. And I, I, I had you know, the runs and everything. I thought I was just nervous, but it turns out I ate something bad and I had food poisoning. But yeah, so the whole night I was meeting these people, but I, you know, I was just sweating. Again, I thought I was just nervous, but after I got home that night, I couldn't hang out. Like they wanted to hang out. I need to go home now, you know? And I just destroyed the toilet for like two days. I lost 10 pounds. It was great. But, but yeah, I mean, I mean, he was kind of, like um, I don't know, I forgot who else was there. I think Aaron Berg and whoever. Uh, it's it's like they don't they don't care really because they're busy. They're in their head, I guess, for the show. But they were there for like five minutes before they're set, and then they leave. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So so I guess he's not like my hero. They're not like my hero, but there's someone you know I grew up on or whatnot. But um, yeah, at least they say you don't meet your heroes for a reason. So I guess meet someone you're kind of familiar with that's kind of famous and like just act like a normal person. I don't know how you went up to Paul Moon. He's like, oh my god, I'm such a big fan. Can I suck your dick? I don't know what you did. You know what I mean? But um, uh, um, you, but you probably gave off big nervous head. The, you know? Oh, not even that. I just walked up like, to him like a gentleman because ah, I was like, okay. I was like, hey, Mr. Moody, I know you're with your peoples. Uh, I just want you to know, but I am a big fan, and I just want to, you know, not, I'm not starstruck. You know, he's not Al Pacino. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like I would be like, let me massage your back, Mr. Pacino. Please like, tell me you didn't say that to him. I'm not starstruck that like you're Al Pacino or anything. No, no, no I didn't say that to him. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Paul Mooney, um, you're like my third fam- favorite comedian of all time. Oh, that's what did it. <laughs> that's what did it. He's like, fuck okay. you, I'm not number one. <laughs> okay, I have to ask. I have to ask. Jamal. Of all, I want everybody to kind of ask this one. Of all people that you could ever meet, that you, you know, like a famous entertainer, who would you want to meet? Living or uh, dead? Well, Living or dead. Um, I, I, and God, I, I said Anthony Bourdain would be my guy. Um, I've always wanted to meet Why? him um, because he's traveled all over the country, all over the world, mind you. I'm sorry. I watch his show, Parts Unknown, and he has like this. I mean, he, he's battled drug addiction. He knows food. He, he's lived life. Uh, I, and it's between him and Al Pacino, those would be like my two. But Anthony Bourdain definitely would be my guy that I would love to just sit down, have a drink with, 
and just because he looks like a I've had friends who've met him and they're like, dude, he's such a nice guy. Um, like very, very nice, very friendly. I'm still surprised that he committed suicide because I'm like, dude, you are living the best life. You've been all over the world. You got to eat exotic foods. Yeah. You got to experience different cultures. And that's the life that I would love to live. I would give up my job to put my foot in his shoes. Yeah, well, you don't know what was going on behind closed doors. You know, right. what, you saw, yeah. right. what you saw was his his essentially like any, any kind of social media yeah, where different. people put on a front, you know. Well, I will we say this. There has been times there has been times when he would subliminally talk about like because he has a daughter and he, t- he he touches on his drug addiction. He's I mean, like, that's not like his everything, but he'll go somewhere and he'll, oh, this reminds me of the time that I was, you know, doing this, you know what I'm saying? So I knew he had like a a, a past where he was doing, I think, heroin. So he uh, was doing, a, you know, drugs, but I don't think that's what really killed him. I, there was there was probably something like you said, Todd. That you know we ha- we don't see a lot of people who suffer from depression and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, we put up this front like there's. I mean, we're speaking about it at the tail end of mental health awareness month, but we put up this front that we allow people to see. We don't let people see the, right. the hurt that we feel inside. And speaking of that, a lot of comics do the same thing too. We make it look like we're we're okay, but deep down. <laughs> Meh, you know, we could use a yeah. hug from time to time. As far as like answering your question, I think the 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 one person living or dead entertainer that I would like to like hang out with and have maybe dinner or just just do something with that person for a few hours and we, that would be Robin Williams. Yeah, my that's my turn. Mm. Oh you'd be you'd be you would have a great time with Robin Williams. <laughs> I i I know right. someone and, and that was always I was gonna say I know someone who that was, was always actually... my. Go ahead, Todd. I was gonna say I know someone who was at a game workshop in Seattle, which is like a a, a, a game sh- store that sells like Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons and miniatures and Warhammer 40k. Who's in there getting some stuff for him and his daughter? And like Robin and his two kids come in, and he walks up to someone playing Warhammer 40k and starts playing with their miniatures and giving them voices and stuff and. And had the whole place just cracking up laughing. But once he was done doing that, he went and got what he wanted, signed some autographs, and then he and his kids left. My friend said he was the nicest person you've ever met in your life. He made everyone laugh. Everyone was like having, you know, you know, holding their sides because they're laughing so hard. And, you know, he was such a yeah. sweet guy. How about you, Kevin? Who would you, who would be your... <sighs> Well, right now I'm really into Andrew Schultz because he just like created everything. Well, he says without help of, you know, big media or whatnot, he did it himself, just putting clips on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, kind of sold out with Netflix. But, you know, I guess that's the dream, right? You make it to, to you fake it till you make it or whatnot. Um, but he, real quick. Um, so one time I was offered a show like, oh, do you know who I want you to open up the show? Do you know who Chris Rock is? Like, yeah. Well, I want you to open up the show for his cousin. I'm like, what the, f- what the fuck is his cousin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was it Sherrod Small? That's his name, yes. I didn't, <laughs> but, but they, don't yeah, even, they don't even introduce him as that. 
right? Yeah. They introduced yeah. him as Chris Rock's cousin. It's and then Rock's I get to mom. the show. Right. I get to the show and he didn't even show up. So I, I, I oh, want to meet him. I have met him. <laughs> you know? I want to meet that guy I was supposed to do the show with. You know? So, <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's probably more of a, a easier dream, I guess. It, both it wasn't even his brother. It was his cousin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's his brother's uncle nephew twice removed. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was whatever. I don't Dude, know. A, a gig's a gig, right? I I saw I saw I saw his brother on a show on Netflix. Because that guy kind of sounds and kind of looks like Chris Rock, and I, I did a IMDb search on the guy, and sure enough, that's his little brother. Was it Tony? Was it Tony or Jordan Rock? I think it was Tony. Tony. Tony's very funny. Yeah, like yeah. like Tony, don't sleep on Tony Rock. I watched him at um the late um Parlor Comedy Club, and he destroyed man. He had like, I'm like, don't. I'm watching him, and in my mind, I'm like, is he funnier than his brother? And then another joke goes by, and he's getting an ovation. I'm like, oh my god, I think he's, I think he's up there. How is he not famous than his brother? You know, like, right. Probably because he's still Chris Rock's brother. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's better than, than Chris well, Rock's cousin, I think. Yeah, the Hemsworth brothers and stuff. Yeah, I would but, much rather be I would much rather be Chris Rock's brother than his cousin. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Is he like an actual like blood relative like me and Marianne, or is he just like that, no, he's like, that, that good friend that you call cousin? I think like you and Marianne, there, there, there's a family thing there. I don't, I don't know. I didn't look it up myself. I was just a little confused as to why they would introduce him. This like that. Hey, would you like to open up for Sherrod Small? Be mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, sure, why not? I don't know who he is, but okay, sure, why not? I'll Google, yeah, yeah, I'll Google him, but yeah, you you could yeah. Google him and see him sitting on like courtside on the Knicks uh, at Knicks games with Chris you, Rock. You, 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 t- you type in his name into Google and it comes up with Chris Rock's cousin is the result. <laughs> or did you mean Chris Rock's cousin? <laughs> right. Crazy. <laughs> so, Marianne, you said you were like you were out for a few days after you got your second shot and you were watching TV. What shows were you watching? Oh, my God. I watched. I actually watched um, a movie that I thought was pretty good. Um and I was trying to watch some things that I knew that I would, I mean, because I, I literally, I don't watch a lot of shows. I don't watch a lot of TV anyways. Yeah. I don't watch a lot of movies. I was curious. And That's so why I was curious. Been, right. So a lot of the things that I've been watching, um, it, I wait till Romeo. So I wanted to watch something that was completely different. And I, it was actually a, a really good movie. I actually couldn't really relate to it. It was called Dumpling. And it's on Netflix. And I know every, the guys are like, I didn't, yeah, you guys, it's, it's, I don't watch a lot of, of movies and it's even more rare for me to watch a chick flick. I watched two chick flicks, but this one here was actually, it was really good because it was about, it had Jennifer Aniston in it and Jennifer Aniston uh, as a beauty queen, an ex beauty queen, you know, like, so she lived, she was always, you know, she was this beauty queen for the same pageant for like 15 years or something. And her right. daughter and her daughter is, uh, no makeup, curly blonde hair, dishwater blonde hair, and fat, right? Uh, as a, like a, a as a high schooler, and so her daughter 
um, was pretty much raised by her aunt, who was very much like herself. And her aunt ended up passing away. Um, and she, while she was going through all of her answers, and it was like her mom, I mean, because she had no, nothing in common with her mom and her mom was always so busy at, at, you know, beauty pageants and dressing, you know, and like when she would see her with the, these other beauty pageant contestants and there, and she saw that her mom, that's, that's what her mom saw as beauty. And like, she was embarrassed, but she wouldn't claim that she was embarrassed by her daughter. And so the daughter had some. Uh, she decided she was going through some of her aunt's stuff and found out that her aunt had initially uh, was going to apply to be in the beauty pageant that her mom that her mom had been in and won. And her and of course the aunt was a larger woman too. And so she she got the notion to go ahead. Well, when she decided she and it was more of a, as a rebellion, she decided she was going to be in the beauty pageant. It ended up some other girls ended up joining her and they ended up going. They found a, a place where her aunt had gone to, and it was actually a bar that had drag queens that were all Dolly Parton drag queens. And her and her best friend had, yeah, and, her, her, and the, the girl, Dumplin, her and her, her best friend had met through, you know, because her aunt was a huge Dolly Parton fan. And so, right. you know, and it was just how the, the drag queens helped this girl, you know, kind of come into her own and dress, you know, helped her dress up and be able to be a part of the pageant and it not and it actually you know she was a contender she ended up you know getting disqualified because she didn't have her shit approved beforehand but it was a really good flick and you know it, it sounds funny it, and it was it did have it definitely had some funny stuff but it, and, you know there's a lot of things that i can relate to that, so that's, i'll have to check you said it's dumpling yeah it's called dumpling and it, it was you know it was a really good flick it was it was pretty good so I wasn't expecting that. It was well acted, and and I was I was actually really kind of surprised that I enjoyed it. And then yeah, I watched a we... total fucking chick flick called you know, uh, falling in love. I N N. Love. It was about a woman who uh, won an in. Hey, I'll I'll tell you this. In the last couple of weeks, I know. I um I actually I was browsing through the movies on HBO Max and I saw that one of the Medea movies was on there. So I went ahead and watched it. What did and, you think? Which Medea movie? Uh, uh, Don't you shake your head no, Kevin. We, <laughs> I, we're trying to convince Todd that there's other... So, uh, Kevin, uh, bef- before I watched this, I was like, yeah, I'm never going to watch those fucking Medea movies. There's a, they look stupid You saw all fuck. of them, didn't you? You saw all of them? Uh, in a row? No, I watched I watched like two or three of them actually after I watched the initial one. The initial one I watched was like um it's the one where like uh the mom is like got cancer and wants all of her kids to get together. Oh god, yeah. Okay. Was, uh, that one was heart wrenching. And it was before, you co- before you continue, can you show us your wrist so we can see if there's any marks on it? <laughs> <laughs> because I because I would have I would have totally slashed my wrist if I had to sit through one more Medea movie. I um, love the yeah, so despite the, the, the like the the stereotypical like way that she speaks and her and her like two or three characters that are that talk just like her, those characters bugged me regardless. But the rest right. of the of the movie was pretty good. Uh and the one that I thought was really funny was the one um uh where Eugene Levy <laughs> is like in the witness protection program. Yes. I loved it. I loved yeah. that one because it kind of Medea kind of reminds me of my mom. Like you know, get up oh, off dude, your yeah. ass and get yeah. going. 
The thing that cracked me up was when like the daughter comes home from school, nobody's around, and she's like, "Oh dear, I have to tell you, I'm sorry. There was a terrible accident, and you know your dad was killed, and your mom was killed, and your little brother he was also killed." And she's all, you know, my, keep in mind that before this, she was like, "I don't want anything to do with you guys, you know, because they're a bunch of assholes and blah blah blah." And I I could care less if you're around and. She's like, now why would you say shit like that when you're? Why would you cry about them not being alive if you didn't care about them? Kind of thing. It was right. so funny. Yeah. So I have to. I have to ask you guys. Have you guys seen Upshaws? The Upshaws on Netflix. I watched have you like heard the of first it? episode and a half. I think. <gasps> okay. Watch Jamal- I watched Kim Fields on Good Morning America talking about the show. I love Wanda Sykes. I don't like Mike Epps. I probably won't watch the show. You don't like Mike you Epps? Know, re- oh, my God. Why don't you like Mike Epps? I don't think he's funny. He, he doesn't do anything for me. As a comedian, I think he's not funny because I think he does a bunch of jokes that other comedians does. Right. And, um, I don't, I don't, I'm, he's not on my, he's not even on my top 10 list of like favorite comedians. I'm not a huge Mike Epps fan. I think you should watch you know, at least the first episode. Watch at least one episode. I have to say the thing that impressed me, it was hilarious. We burned okay, through all those episodes. I laughed my ass off all the time. And it's because Wanda Sykes and Mike Epps, the <laughs> insults that they sling at each other is fucking I, hilarious. I love I love Wanda Sykes. She's like one of my favorites. And she She's came, like over the top. She was fucking amazing in this. <laughs> and so I'm telling you, I we cracked up laughing every episode. She, I was dying laughing. Wanda's character is like roasting him the entire episode that I and watched. He every does single right time. back and she roasts him. He roasts her too. Yeah. But they it is the, so the, funny. The, the you know difference what? Not, it's okay just for that. Just for that, I might that might be a good watch. I'm like, wow, she might be saying things that even I might. Yeah, I, he, yeah, I he, might agree. Right? With oh, she does. Yeah. Oh, dude, she, she does. just she doesn't pull any punches with no. the shit she says about him. Yeah, it's it's funny as shit. She, he he's like okay, so one one part, just one one. I was cracking up about this where uh, he was talking about how yeah. I Younger, and he was he was in uh, his garage and one of the sides walks in and she goes Negro you did some messed up shit last night <laughs> so it's fucking I was like she just <laughs> she slams on me somebody laughing get to the point get to the point come on <laughs> right it was it was good it was but I highly I highly recommend it that's kind of some of the things that we've been squeaking in out, out of like I said, with my brutal schedule, and we still, when we get home and, at like 11 o'clock at night, have to eat dinner before we crawl into bed at midnight, we're at least able to watch a half hour of some kind of sitcom to, to make us laugh. But no. it's been uh, fun. Mo- Most of my life is surrounded by comedy, and I'm watching something called uh, The Valley of Money. Some, I don't know, some documentary, like six episodes, or the scheme behind credit cards and cryptocurrency is just, oh, I, you know, mm. I, it's, it's, it's a new, it's a new series. It just came out. So it should be like on the top list right now, but, uh, it's I mean, we are, yeah, yeah. It's on Netflix. I like, we kind of know that already, but it's just the key. See it the way yeah. professionals talk about it is just, it's terrible, man. We're, we're all, you know, so I'm, I'm, interested. I'm, not, 
Unless you're rich, you're just built to fail. Unless you make it somehow. Right, and I'm interested in in the whole. And you're right. I absolutely agree with that because the system is designed to to only allow a certain amount of people in that upper echelon. Every- Thanks for tuning into another episode of It's Not About You with Jamal, Marianne, and Cousin Todd. Be sure to check them out on all their social medias at NotAboutYouPod. That's N-O-T-A-B-O-U-T, a letter U-P-O-D, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.